better together. Hashtag better together. So do this to your friends. Hashtag better together. And, uh, and we've been looking at that. And one of the core scriptures that I've, I've looked at uh, from the start, from the first week, is Romans chapter 2, verse 2. And in the J.B. Phillips translation, it's put something like this. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mould. And by world here, what the Bible's talking about is, is I guess, the social construct, the prevailing mindset uh, of the society, of the, of the place we find ourselves in. That when it's at, at our odds, when it's conflicting with, with what we'd call values of the kingdom of God, be careful what's shaping you. Be careful what is, is moulding you and pressing you into its way of thinking. And so we've been looking at that. Interestingly, um, the scripture actually talks about us being able to develop mindsets that are contrary to the way God thinks that become strongholds. The Bible word is stronghold. A stronghold of thinking. It's like a, a wall that is built in us mentally that, that is, uh, you know, it's assumed truth, it's, it's values that we adhere to that actually block and hinder and either lock us in or lock God out or both at the same time. A stronghold of the mind. And so what we've been looking at in this series, I guess, is maybe looking at uh, some of those things that can develop and how can we, how can we you know, d- disarm those things. Because often they're the things that keep us out of better together. You know, we all want to be more connected. I mean, most human beings, gregarious by nature, we want to be more connected, but we live in a society that is struggling more and more to actually achieve the connection that it totally says it desires. There's nothing worse, I'm convinced of it, there's nothing worse than being socially awkward or to be in a socially awkward moment. We've all been there. Some of us might live there, I don't know, but, but we've all been there. And I know Sue and I regularly observe, for example, young couples, you know, when, when they're in that dating season of life and they're trying to watch their P's and Q's and they're, they're trying to be the person they think they should be and it's a little bit of a dance, it's a little bit, you know, for some people that's more awkward than others. And, but honestly, sometimes it, it's excruciating to watch almost. And we often say to ourselves, thank you, God, that we're out of there. We've sealed the deal. And, you know, there is a thousand wonderful reasons, including just the beautiful nature of my wife, that I want to stay married. But I guarantee you there's another reason, an ulterior motive, and that is definitely that I never want to have to go back there. My good, you've got me, babe, I'm sorry. For another 28 years at least, we're just going to keep making this work. Because I ain't going back there. Sue's got the microphone tonight and she's going to pay me back for everything I said in the first service. So, aren't you? Better together. What I want to talk about, what I want to talk about this morning though, is how to be happy in our own skin. You know, we've got this society that wants to be connected but is actually really struggling with that. And as a matter of fact, social media, which has been developed to help people connect. Interestingly enough now, studies are being done over, over a long enough term now to come to some really startling conclusions that, that potentially social media is disconnecting us at a frightening rate. 
rather than actually connecting us. As the Royal Society of Public Health in England, it's a, a UK charity, has done studies. 91% of young people from 16 to 24 years of age in the UK uh, use internet-based social networking. Uh, interestingly, in the last 25 years, anxiety and depression in that age group has grown 70%. 70%. That's, that's not the only reason, obviously, but it is too strong a parallel for people to ignore now. Uh, one of the underlying strands of that is what they believe is because using internet-based technology, whether that's text or social media, etc., you don't have to interact with the real person. You, you interact with a screen, so you're not looking in someone's eyes. You're not seeing whether you're disappointing them. You're not seeing whether you're challenging what they really think about life and how it works. You, you don't need to read nuance. You don't need to listen to the language. You don't feel the pain or the excitement or the enthusiasm or the anger in a voice. And then often when people who've spent so much time investing in that realm of communication are confronted by real life circumstances where someone can show and express disappointment, where someone can nuance their words in such a way it is too confronting for people to actually cope with. They actually are struggling to cope with normal human function and communication. Of course you overlay that in a society that is obviously, we're driven by a multi-billion dollar marketing and advertising environment. Think about that environment. Think about you know, what the great bulk of advertising and marketing plays on is our inadequacies. The whole concept, the whole thought behind it is to make you super aware of your need. And it's generally in the area of how inadequate you are. So we are, you know, too short, too tall, wrong hair colour, too big a butt, and that's just the blokes. And then the the ladies suffer with their whole thing. You, You know, you don't have the tattoos, you don't have the cool mates, you don't drive the right car. But it's all designed to actually get us to purchase to somehow prop our own self-image up. But the result of both those things is exactly the same. We are actually white-anting. We are eating from the inside out our own confidence, which is our ability to connect, our ability to actually be in relationship, to be in community, to relate healthily. We are undermining it in our pursuit of being more attractive and actually connecting on a higher level. And, and this is a circus when you think about it. But it's because it's actually not a happy one, it's more a tragedy. It's more a tragedy. Have you seen that? You're very quiet. This, you're so quiet. Are you right? Does anyone think I'm living under a rock? You're seeing this stuff. So if it is a tragedy and I look at it, I wonder what God says about it. I wonder, what, I wonder what the God who created us in his image thinks about our unhealthy fascination with obtaining the right image. So we've got all kinds of stuff pushed at us. You've got to be this, you've got to be that, you've got to get a tan. 
I'm not sure whether you do. You know, 1990 was my first trip to the subcontinent. And I'll never forget it. I brought the packet back. I don't know whether I've still got it, but I brought a packet back. It was of Lux soap. This is 1990. I don't know whether they'd get away with it now. And on that Lux soap, it had with special skin whitening vitamins. And it just seems insane. To me, it's the, almost the, the ultimate example that you have people on one side of the world that are literally trying to wash the pigment out of their skin if it was possible. Because to be whiter and lighter is beauty. And on the other side of the world, you have people risking deadly skin diseases to somehow get darker. Because that's what beauty is. And, and you've got to stop and think, I think someone's lying. I think we're being sold a lie. I think somehow the world is trying to squeeze us into its mould and push us out of what God created us to be happy to be. So I want to talk to us about being happy to be in your own skin. And in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus speaks to this. I don't know whether he was trying to address this, but it addresses these issues. Don't you love how the word of God, doesn't matter how old it is, it speaks to today with such clarity. And in verses 2 to 3, Jesus says this. Don't, sorry, Jesus says this. I better get to the right part of my notes. Matthew chapter 18, verse 2 to 3. Then Jesus called a little child to him. And set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Interestingly, you know, our concept of heaven, when we say kingdom of heaven, we tend in Christendom to have a very different view to what the Jews had. You know, in Jewish culture, which was Jesus' culture, in Jewish thinking, which was Jesus thinking, you know, it was very different. To, when we talk about heaven, we talk about somewhere else. Yeah. We talk about going somewhere one day maybe and hoping we qualify. That's the thought of heaven. But for Jesus, that was not the thought of heaven. For the, for the Jew of this time, that was not the thought. The Jewish people understood that the concept of the kingdom of heaven was where God reigned. This is where God has his way. This is the God life that man lost in the garden. The kingdom of heaven was something to be looked forward to, to be embraced and something to bring to earth, to live it, was their understanding. And of course, Jesus' prayer for us reflects that. When Jesus gave us, quote unquote, the Our Father, you know, the Lord's Prayer, is not the Lord's Prayer, it's our prayer. His prayers, John 15 through, through 17, the great high priestly prayer of Christ. Our prayer is to pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we would experience the kingdom of heaven now. So when Jesus spoke to these Jewish followers, these words, the whole concept was, unless, it's a, it's a threat, it's a warning at least. But unless, unless this happens, you will miss the life that God has got for you now. 
You will miss the reign of God in your life, on this, in your society, in your family, in whatever context. You will miss what God wants to do. Unless you can experience a change. They, they were leaning in for the God thing and Jesus was showing them, this is what you're going to need. And the interesting thing is, is Jesus wasn't showing them a new thing. It wasn't like, I've got this incredible secret that no one's ever heard before. No one's ever experienced before. Jesus was actually telling them, you've got to get back to something you once were. He says, you've got to be converted. Literally, you've got to be changed. And you've got to get back to something you've lost. He was saying they needed to do that because it obviously wasn't their present reality. That's not the way they were living. They weren't like little children at all. And Jesus was saying, you've got to get back to something that you lost. You know the way. You know what it looks like. You once were one. And we all have that in common. Even if your childhood was not that happy. Never ceases to amaze me how resilient kids are. Little kids, particularly, you know, when a lot of things come back to haunt later in life. But as little kids, you know, the, we, we, we see it. We saw it recently for the guys who were on the working bee the other weekend. And one of the common threads that come out of that working bee, you know, we were cleaning up one of the, one of the homes that, that someone had left in a mess. And, but they found photos of the kids and possessions of the children had just been left behind. I don't know what sort of a childhood those kids have got. Like the guys on the working bee said, I don't know how people can live like that, but what's worse, what about the kids? Who leaves kids' photos in the dust? But you know what? The way kids are, that can be happening one day when you're this high and the next day if you're given a rubber ball to bounce, it's amazing how resilient kids are. It might, it might come back to bite you later, but I think we can all relate to what it was like to be a child, even if our childhood was difficult. And Jesus is saying, that's where you need to go. If you want to experience life the way God intended it for you, you have to get back to somewhere you've been. And of course, we've got to ask the question, I mean, what does that mean? Honestly, I've got to be honest with you, I've preached maybe this passage or this concept many times over the years. This is a totally fresh message, but many times over the years I've tried to look at, you know, just what, what kids are and, and there's, there's the obvious ones. You know, what, what was Jesus saying? Well, maybe it was dependence. That makes sense. You know, you need to become dependent like a child. Jesus said that we should re- relate to God as our father. And so that makes sense. Be, be dependent on God as your father. You need to become like a little child. I think we could all get that one. I thought of things like um, teachability. And then I thought of my own children and I thought I wouldn't use that. I wouldn't use that this morning. But you know, there's obvious things. But who's noticed that sometimes in everything in life, um, there's obvious things, but sometimes there's things that are deeper that aren't as obvious, but they're essence. They're what really makes it. And they might even be unseen, but they are the real issues. And so what I've tried to do today is just look at a few of those, what are the essence issues 
of being a child. If Jesus is saying, if you want to live the life that God's got for you, if you want to, to break free of the mould of this world so that you can embrace the kingdom of heaven, uh, then what do, you, what do you need to think? What do, you, what do you need to embrace? What do you need? When Jesus said, be converted, be changed, what did he mean? What needs to change? And so looking at little kids, I, I just, I thought I'd come up with just a few things. First one is, kids, little kids, have no big agenda. You know, I know that kids have an agenda. I mean, I'm a parent too, so, you know. But, but the kids' agendas aren't particularly hidden. They're, they're not really an agenda. It's who a kid is. The kid wants the ice cream. He'll throw himself on the back screaming in the supermarket to get it. But you'd really know what he's on about. You know, it's up front. The hidden stuff, the agenda stuff, that happens later to us. That's something we become. When we sort of mask up and people see one thing, but really there's another agenda altogether. And that hidden agenda stuff is, is the basis of so much pain in the world, from, from shonky business deals to broken marriages. So much of that comes back down to people with another agenda running under the surface. But you won't find a little child. Manipulation comes later. But you sort of don't grow up that way. You, you, you're not like that at this. Do you understand what I mean? Are, are you okay out there? You're very quiet. And so little kids have no agenda maybe Jesus was saying you know what (laughs) it'd be good for you to get back there it'd be good for you to experience life without hidden agenda like a child you know you're just happy to ask directly for what you want your agenda is plain your agenda is clear you're so honest at times it's embarrassing as every parent knows That's why your kids can embarrass you more than anyone else, especially when they're small. Because they they just don't have anything to hide. They sort of say it how it is, and and I think Jesus might be saying that. You want to experience the life that God's got for you? Become like a little child. Be converted. Change your thinking. Get out of the mould of the world. And be happy to, to show who you really are. Little kids don't have an image to defend. No, no image to defend. How contrary is that? To our image-driven, image-conscious society, the, the world of an adult at the moment. How different is that? No image to project. No image to defend. Golly, what happens to us? You know, some of the things that drive us, maybe we've got to admit, maybe the world has squeezed us into its mould. You think about kids, when it comes to image, I mean, again, how hard are they to embarrass? You know, they're not defending something. They're not trying to be something that they're not. They're just doing them. 
You think about little things like happy to fall asleep in front of others. Tell me how hard that is as an adult, except in church. <laughs> but I know for me, you know, like maybe, maybe a week in an emerging nation and, and I hit Singapore, I can lie down in a transit lounge and I don't care who's looking, I need to sleep. <laughs> but most of the time, I don't like to sleep on planes because if I throw my head back, I'll snore. If I throw my head forward, I'll snore. If I fall on my side, I'll snore. And Sue says I could snore underwater. But it's like we just, what, what happens to us where our world shrinks? Because we're so concerned about the opinions of others, many of who don't love us, don't care about us, and we'll never see again. Think about a little kid that's just quite happy to say, I need to go to the toilet. wonder how many of us have left someone's house with our eyeballs turning yellow. Because we're somewhere new, we're in a new scenario, new social situation, and you just don't want to be the one in the, to say, the, you know, I need to go to the toilet. Where's your toilet? Where's your loo? Every human being on the planet goes to the loo, whether you see it or not. It happens. I guarantee it does. But it's crazy. And when we project that false image, I think the problem becomes if we can self-deceive ourselves into thinking that we give a perfect impression... At the same time, we deceive ourselves into thinking that other people are as good as they look. One of my greatest concerns at times about being up here is for you to perceive that I've got it together. I think for our marriage, when we talk about marriage, it's one of the most difficult things because as much as we have a happy, life-giving, stable marriage, it doesn't mean we're happy all the time. But you could give that impression if you're not careful but kids aren't caring about impressions they're just doing them they're they're comfortable in their own skin and it makes me wonder is that what Jesus was saying you know for you stop being so agenda driven Stop being so manipulative. Stop being so worried about what people would think and embrace who you actually are. Now we say things in our society, and it is a cliche, but you know, realise there's there's a reason why things become a cliche, because there's a certain amount of truth in them. And we say things like, um, you know, everyone's unique. And they should embrace their uniqueness. Well, the fact is that in a society that is so charged with fear over its own self-image, where, where so many people are either trying to be the sporting star or to mimic a celebrity or even just to mimic Uncle Roger, who's a rich man. I wonder if the most unique individuals that you'll ever see is that rare individual that's just comfortable in their own skin and happy to be themselves. And I wonder whether that's what Jesus was saying. Throw off that stuff. Become like a little child and experience the life that God has for you. Experience the reign of God rather than the mold 
of the world. Little children have no deep knowledge to teach. No deep knowledge to teach. No mighty revelation to impart. That all comes later. Actually, if you look at little kids, they are rabid learners. Aren't they? They're rabid learners. Right from when they're really, really tiny. And I mean, they don't just use, you know, they use their eyes and they use their ears and they, they use their nose and they use their little tiny little fingers and their tiny little feet even. But even beyond that, when they're really little, they even use their tongue. It's like, do you really need, do you need to lick the table at McDonald's? Obviously, yes. Come on, parents, who's ever got a cockroach out of their child's mouth? Who's ever got half a cockroach? That's worse than a full one, I'm telling you right now. I keep saying this, Sue, I think that's wrong with our kids. I reckon we fished half a cockroach out of every one of ours. Is it any wonder that Jesus called his followers disciples? Because that word simply, the Greek word simply means student, learner. You want to follow me? You want to be my disciple? That's the teach, teachability is the prerequisite and, and kids are so open. And they, they haven't got to the point where they dig in where they're comfortable and sit on their own fat opinion. They're actually movable, moldable, shapeable. And I wonder whether that's what Jesus was saying. Could you get away from thinking you have to know it all to impress or to be valid? Get back to the point where you're happy to admit you're still on your L plates. I'm still learning. Unless you become like little children. And I guess everything that I'm saying is to say this. When you're little, you're just you. You're comfortable in your own skin. You have no real conscious motive. You just are. You're just doing you. Comfortable in your own skin. You're not wondering what people think of you. You're not playing for the crowd. You're not playing for approval. It's all more pure and simple and honest than all of that stuff. Jesus said, unless you become, you're not going to see it. You're not going to experience it. This life that God always had for you, and, and, you know, here's the scary thought. You can even believe all the right things about going to heaven and still not experience what God's got for you on earth. If you can't let yourself be converted, what needs to convert in your thinking? Here's some thoughts I had, some questions for myself. I think that Jesus might have been asking us questions like this. Can you just decide to be yourself? Are you free to just do you? I mean, be the best you for sure. But just you.
Can you afford to drop the facades, the falsities, the masks that we're so tempted to use to conceal anything that we think would not be acceptable about us to others? And I'm not saying just go out and let it all hang out. But again, is there a place where we could just relax about ourselves? Just, just step back and, and determine I'm not going to let this world mould me. I will be the best me I can be, but I'm just going to be me. I'm not going to be someone else. Can you determine to be less agenda-driven in life and simply enjoy the journey more? Gentlemen, predominantly. I'm just talking as one. And maybe lastly, are you still learning? Or do you feel that you need to know everything to be validated? And my prayer, you know, this is my prayer. I'm going to share my prayer and I've I've extrapolated it a bit for today. But this was just a journal entry for me. And I've obviously done some work on it. But this is the core of a journal entry from just from last week for me where I felt God really speaking to my heart because we all journal, don't we? We all journal out of our Bible because God wants to speak to you. You know, how dumb would it be for God to want to speak to you and you not be listening? So we all journal. But I got to this point where I I got my prayer at the end of the journal and uh, literally my prayer was, Lord, help me overcome my older self. And as I thought about that more, I think what I was really praying was this. Lord, help me drop my more cynical self, my sarcastic self, my self-defending, self-rationalising self. Because we all know that we can rationalise our behaviour, our thinking, till the cows come home. But my prayer was, Lord, would you actually deactivate that in me? Would you please grace me with the ability to even see Myself doing that. The self-conscious self. The one who feels constantly scrutinised. The one constantly telling me to shape up to the expectations of others. The insecure one. The one desperate for approval that will back down from an opportunity to avoid potential failure. Or in a crazy paradoxical twist self-promote, exaggerate or brag to gain approval God would you help me kill that lay that down get converted in that area become like a child like I once was in that area the subconsciously always running to an agenda one and my final prayer and just word for word was Lord can you help me just be me to be the best me for sure but to be truly comfortable in my own skin you know and in a society that is hammering us to look this way to possess these things to walk this way to talk this way to live in a certain manner often things totally contrary to what God has for us 
then my prayer for us is, is we could get back to somewhere we once were. Again, it's not unfamiliar. Somewhere we once were. Where we thought about life differently. Where we, we didn't run to agendas. We didn't have images. We didn't have images to defend. We, we didn't know it all. And we were actually comfortable in our own skin. And Jesus' promise is you will experience the kingdom of heaven if you can get there. You will experience the God life here on earth if you can get there. Could we just stand together? I'd love to pray for you. And I really believed as I was preparing this message, I was so excited to share it because I just felt it was going to set some people free. I know it's a bit of an introspective message. It makes you think about things. That's why it's so quiet. It makes you think about things, but it's meant to. It's actually meant to be acted on. It's meant for us to respond to it and maybe surrender, even if it's just one thing that we see in our life where it's like, I need to surrender that one thing. So, so I'd like to pray for us here today. And, uh, and look, honestly, if God's been speaking to your heart, why don't we just bow our heads, close our eyes, and maybe you want to slip a hand in the air if God's speaking to your heart this morning. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just thank you for every heart, every life in this place, every family that's represented in this place. And Father, we do want to experience what you've got for us. Jesus showed us the way plainly. And it's something we know. It's something that may have grown unfamiliar, but once was it was absolutely who we were. So it's not like we don't know our way back. It's not like we can't get back there. And I pray for us, Father. I pray for everyone right now reaching out to you that's just recognised areas that need to convert from what is to what was. A backward step to take us forward. I pray for people. I pray your grace. I pray you would touch them. Give them the strength. Give them divine favour, grace. Divine capability, grace. Divine power, grace. For change. For strongholds to break and start falling down. And for people to step back into who they really are and being comfortable in their own skin. I pray that, Father. I pray that for us all today. That we could stay on this journey of transformation. Of becoming like little children. Again. In Jesus' name, all our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And, you know, I think this is a holy moment for so many people. And, and I've been talking about becoming like children and Jesus spoke a lot about being a child of God. That's certainly God's plan for each and every person here, every person on the planet. But you might be here and that might not be your story yet. You, you might have done a lot of your life without that connection. To God as your heavenly Father, it's, it's definitely what what God wants you to experience. And I don't know how you ended up here, but you know you might think you're here by accident. But I really believe in divine appointment. I, I think God gets people where He wants them to be. He gets their attention. And maybe there's something in you today that's crying out 
It's like, man, that is speaking to me and I can see that. I can see it in the world around me. I can see it in my own heart. And if God's got answers for this stuff, then that's what I want. And I just want to give you an opportunity to to intentionally join your life to God's life. The God kind of life. The kingdom of heaven I've been talking about, not just somewhere off in the future, but can be experienced right now. And maybe you're like, Chris, that, that'd be me. I really need God to do something in me. I need my thinking to change. I need to see myself differently. I need to see the world differently. Whatever it is, I want to give you the opportunity to respond to that. So while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, friend, if you're here and you, you know you need Jesus in your life, would you just take a step of faith towards God this morning? Just raise your hand right where you are. I'll acknowledge it. You can put it down. I'm not going to embarrass you. But we're about to pray a prayer and I want to know who I'm praying with. That's fantastic. That's awesome, mate. You can put your hand down again. That's awesome. Others in this place, you just know. I need God. I need that God kind of life. I won't prolong it. I just want to give everyone the opportunity. So we'll move on in just a moment. But but before we do, this is just so important for people to connect their life with God. Come on, if that's you, friend, this is your opportunity. Just raise your hand up. Say, that's me, Pastor. And we'll pray. Fantastic. Just as I look across this auditorium one more time. Wonderful. Okay, why don't we all look up at the screen? And I really want to encourage you, if you responded, whether I saw your hand or I didn't, if you responded, make this your prayer as we pray it together. Just make it your authentic prayer and God will meet you right where you're at. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I will follow you. Amen.